right, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? It's good. It's been a great morning already. Great to be in worship. I want to go ahead and invite you to uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, that's where we're going to be in our text this morning. Again, we're doing several standalone uh, messages this morning. If this is your first time being with us, uh, this is not our norm. Normally what we do is we kind of walk through a book of the Bible together, and we're going to be getting into that here in a couple weeks, but I felt it would be good for us as a church uh, to do a couple standalones to kind of talk about where we are, who we are, who God is, and prepare us for what the Lord has for us um, through this year. Now again, we are Already into the second week of a new year, and I am thankful for that, grateful for that, but it's been amazing already to see uh, just the amount of chaos and spinning that's already beginning to happen in our world again as as we continue to deal with everything that life continues to throw at us. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you I'm a bit concerned that uh, 2022 already, even though it rests in the sovereign hands of our God, is going to be very similar to 2021 and 2020. And by concerned, I'm not concerned about what is coming because I know God is is good and he is providential over all things. And so he has all things in his hands. My concern is more the speed with which this year will go by. Um, you know, I know we joked about that last week, how we felt like 2022 was really 2020 part B uh, because 2021 just kind of flew through. So having said that, let me go ahead and get this out of the way in case I forget through the rest of the year. Uh, first of all, happy new year, happy Valentine's Day, happy St. Patrick's Day, happy Easter, happy birthday, happy Memorial Day, Merry Christmas, happy Thanksgiving. Not in that order, please. Uh, unless you enjoy good food. Um, what other days am I missing? Canadian friends, happy Boxing Day to you. And uh, happy Memorial Day, happy Veterans Day, happy 4th of July. I pray that this is a wonderful year and happy New Year 2023. Did I cover them all? I got most of them, it counts. Anyway, this year is already beginning to fly and we're only two weeks in. I mean, it's hard to believe to say that we're already two weeks into into 2022, and I kind of need, uh, I don't know about you, but I kind of need this year to, to go ahead and begin to slow down a little bit, because it's amazing to me how fast life gets thrown at you, and it really is that we're here, 2022, we are rolling, and it is already rolling into a quick year, and before we get any faster into this year, man, I really want us again to take some time to more, just talk more about our direction as a church according to the Word of God and what I believe that the Lord is going to do in our midst. Now again, I want to remind you that over the next couple of weeks as we gather on Sunday mornings, these Sunday mornings, uh, the preach time is a really a precursor to much of what we're going to be talking about um, in our members meeting coming up on the 23rd. So I can't stress uh, the importance of that meeting enough. Be here for that meeting, because I think God is going to uh, just begin to do a wonderful work in our church as we begin to talk and as we begin to pray and we begin to seek the word into terms of what God has for us. And again, I hope that this will be a time of encouragement as we gather for this meeting, as well as a a time of challenge as we gather as a faith family uh, to pray together and to talk. So please, 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 I'm not looking for numbers that night. That's not what I'm going for. I'm just telling you the, the, the importance of the manner of discussion that we're going to be having for the 23rd. If you're, if you're a member of our church, please make sure you're here for that. Now, again, that will stop talking about that at this point. And what I want to do this morning is really open by asking us this question. And it's a very simple question. And one, I think that we need to think about not only today, but um, as we move through this year and really as we begin every year that by God's grace we have. And that question is this, where is our focus? 
Now, some would say to us that this really is too simple of a question, or maybe that this is even a silly question to get into as we're already getting into the second and the third full week of the new year. But again, we have to be honest with ourselves. When we look back at 2021 and we look back at 2020, I think it's best that we can describe those years as really the years of distractions for many of us in the local church. You see, there have been many moments that have tried to really separate the church from even being able to gather in those years. We had pandemics that have tried to shut us down. We've had uh, politics that have separated us um, in terms of what we believe and what we don't believe and even ruined many of friendships. There's been multiple sideways conversations and slander that have tried to really tear apart the fabric of the body of believers. And dare I say that even laziness has snuck in with the church as many have realized that it's so much easier to just sit at home in our pajamas on a Sunday morning watching our favorite pastor on YouTube and we now call that our church. You see, in the midst of all that we have seen and all that we have dealt with, it's no wonder why we question where our focus is. Because I think the reality is, if we struggled with any of the things that I just mentioned, I think the truth is we might have already begun to lose some of our focus. Now, when we look at the book of Hebrews, and we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, I want us to realize that the author really asked the same question to the believers themselves this morning. And and in our text, as we're going to see, he responds by telling the believers what should be our focus for a new year. So again, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to begin reading in verse 1, a very familiar passage to us. And once you have found your place in the Word of God, if you can and you are able, I would invite you to stand now in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Now again, this is Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. We read, Therefore, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you right now thanking you so much for the opportunity to be gathered in your house. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to to gather around your word, to be able to sing your word this morning, to be able to pray your word, to hear your word spoken, and, and even in the next few moments to be able to, to sit under the teaching of your word. Father, we praise you for that. Father, we pray that you would prepare our hearts, our minds, our eyes, and our ears for your truth today. And Lord, we ask that in the next few moments that you and you alone would be glorified because only you deserve the glory. Father, you alone are good. We are not. So Father, reveal your grace according to your truth. Father, as we unpack this word, God, I pray that it would help us grow in our own understanding of you but it would help us grow in our own righteousness as well as we seek to faithfully serve you. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for delighting in us. 
And Father, we praise you for your truth this morning. For it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, if I could, I kind of want to set the scene briefly this morning because, again, this is an all-too-familiar passage, and I think many of us know it already, so I don't, want to, I don't want to spend a lot of time on background this morning, but what we have here in Hebrews chapter 12 is really after the author, after the author of Hebrews has now finished giving us a list of what really can be best described as heaven's hall of heroes in Hebrews chapter 11, he's now going to turn his attention to the very focus of the Christian. So as we read and unpack this passage together this morning, I pray that we will see what it is that we should be focused on, or better yet, fixed on as we come into this upcoming year. So again, let's look at this passage together, break it down verse by verse, and ask the question, where should we focus? Our first answer we see is in the first half of verse 1. As Christians today, we really need to be focused on the arena. Now, again, I know when you hear those words, it, it really sounds like a good sports analogy, right? Like if you're, if you're a sports fan in the room, you're probably thinking uh, a Tampa Bay Rays, or maybe you're thinking the Bucks who are, are in the playoffs and what that's going to look like, or maybe you're thinking the Lightning, or, or maybe you're not a sports fan in the room at all, and you're thinking, oh, great, our pastor's fixing to drop another sports analogy on us. Uh, wherever you are, this all really sounds like a good sports metaphor, or maybe you're like my house right now, which is very much divided, and um, we are loving each other today, but to Tomorrow, all bets are off as Georgia and Alabama play yet again. If you're not cheering for Georgia this week, shame on you, by the way. Oh, stop that. I'm kidding. When you read the first part of this passage, it really does sound like a good sports metaphor, but stay with me because in order to understand what's going to be said in verse 2 and verse 3, we really need to see and begin to understand what the first half of verse 1 is trying to tell us or trying to set up for us. So let's just look at this text again. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now let's just pause right there. You see, in this very moment, the, the author of Hebrews is now pointing us back to the previous chapter. He's pointing us back to Hebrews chapter 11. That's why we see the word therefore at the beginning of chapter 12, verse 1. But he's not just pointing us back to, to simply look and ponder, but rather to see these Old Testament saints and the, and the faith and the patience that was produced within their lives because of their faith. You see, in this particular verse, in verse 1, we're not, we're not looking back. This look back, if you will, is, is not to point back to the exhortation of the lives of these individuals that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, but rather is to now see the work that they did and through the grace of God, not simply just to, to see it, but to, to read it and then to deal with the implications that their example now has on our lives today. You see, here's the truth of the first half of verse 1. The writer of Hebrews does not see these people as dead people to be remembered. Hebrews chapter 11 is not a memorial, but rather it's to see them as living witnesses to be heard. In fact, if you go back and look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, and speaking of Abel, the writer concludes, and through his faith, though he died... He still speaks. You see, as a church, we now have living witnesses in the word who have stories to tell. 
And it's the word of God that now gives us their stories. And in their stories, we now have the examples of how we should have faith in the heat of persecution. These stories are there for the purpose of guidance and for the purpose of direction from God within our own lives. And here's the reality of it all. These stories are not few in number, but rather as we read, they are a great cloud. You see, I want us to realize that when we read Hebrews chapter 11, and then we get into the first part of Hebrews chapter 12, this is our arena. Their stories of faith are the examples that should be cheering us on to persevere in the midst of what God has now called the church to do. It's like what John Owen says when he says, all the saints of the Old Testament, as it were, stand looking on us and are striving, encouraging us in our duty and ready to testify unto our success with their applauses. They are placed about us unto this end. We are compassed with them. You see, Owen is affirming what is said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He is telling us that this is our arena. We are not alone in our struggles. We are not alone in our battles. There are those who have come before us who have dealt with these same struggles, who have dealt with these same battles. And by the grace of God, not only in their lives and in their ministries and in their stories, but also the grace of God in our lives, we can now see and say that we belong to a noble company of God's people. You see, we're not just being watched by God. And I'm not saying all the the heavens and all the people of heaven are looking upon us. No, 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 don't mishear that. They are fully focused on the throne of God right now. But rather what we have is this. We have been surrounded by an incredible example of those who have lived lives by faith. And so as we read their stories, whether it's the snapshot we're given in Hebrews chapter 11 or whether we go back in the Bible and find their stories, we should model our faith after their own. I mean, just think about this for a moment. Do we realize the arena that is around us? When we look around the room this morning, and, 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 and yes, even though our, our numbers seem small and we see that, we may become discouraged. We may look around this room and, and think of days gone by and look around and think, man, there are just people who are missing from this place. There are people who have walked away from this place. There are people who have abandoned their post, and, and we begin to wonder and we begin to doubt, but here's the reality. Is God surprised by any of this? The answer is absolutely not. You see, we are told that there is an arena full of people whose examples of faith should still be championing the cause for Jesus Christ through the local church. And man, if I could, I want to I want to give you some news this morning. You see, I've been I've been in a lot of conversations with a lot of pastors recently. Talking and and praying together, praying about the future of of Southside, praying about the future of their churches. These are pastors both in our local area, but also pastors across our country, even a couple guys who are international. It was a wonderful time together. And I quickly realized this. I realized that when I look upon our church, if you haven't noticed yet, we average roughly 80 people on a Sunday morning. We do. 
Many would argue that that's small. They're right. But I found out this week from a friend of mine who works for our convention, he told me that the average, chi- the average size of a current SBC church is roughly 40 to 60 people. So I guess if there could be anything said about us this morning, we are slightly above average. That's good. That sounds a lot like my high school education. But here's the beauty of it all. We may look around and wonder where people are, and we may wonder where the numbers are, but here's the reality. Our numbers may seem small, but that doesn't matter. What we learn from Hebrews chapter 11 and the first part of Hebrews chapter 12 is this. What matters is the size of our faith. What matters is that we are being counted with the numbers that have gone before us, and we have a powerful and rich history that is robed in victory because it's Jesus Christ who is victorious. Can I use a sports analogy for a moment here? We are the home team. Why? Because in the end, we win. Because Jesus Christ is victorious. Now, many people may not understand what it means to be the home team here. Now, again, I understand that we are sojourners passing through this place, and ultimately, where we belong is with the kingdom of God. But I want you to understand this morning that the kingdom of God is the home team. The kingdom of God is itself home field advantage because in the end it is Jesus Christ and it is God and the kingdom of God that will win. Now again, if you've ever been to a sporting event, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's something to be said about home field advantage. There's something to be said about being the number one team going into the playoffs. I was talking about this with a member of ours who's a huge Green Bay Packers fan, and he was excited that in order to get to the Super Bowl, you have to go through Lambeau Field in Green Bay. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'd love to coach a game up in Green Bay, but I never want to be a fan sitting in negative degree temperature watching it snow and watching my team that comfortably plays in a dome get beat senseless by that team. Thankfully, my team didn't make the playoffs. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there's something to be said about home field advantage. You see, I remember what it's like to be a a coach on the sideline for a high school football team. And I want to go ahead and tell you, there were two sides to our high school. If you brought a team in through the front side, they came in through all these mansions, all these massive houses, and everything looked well-to-do and great, and yards were taken care of. It was wonderful. I mean, it was just a great place to be, a great place to walk, okay? And then there was the front of our school. You go to the back of our school. Behind our school was the football season or the football stadium. And then behind that was government housing. It was rough, broken windows, bars on windows, bars on doors, people struggling to get by. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you what we did as coaches. As coaches and as an athletic department, we canvassed the area. And we told those folks, hey, your home team could use your help. And they said we would do anything for our team because they knew when the team won, it meant a small victory for them as well. And they said, what can we do? And we told them this. We said, when teams come to visit us, we're going to tell them to go behind the school in order to park their buses. And here's what we want you to do. We want you to line the street, a small two-lane road, and we want you to yell and scream and beat on their buses. And they did it. Thousands of people showed up. I've never seen anything like it. Lined the street where only the buses could get through and they're hitting the bus and shaking the bus. They're telling these, these, these high school athletes, you're not welcome here. This all sounds terrible, right? 
It does, doesn't it? But you know what the greatest thing was? When that team walked out on the football field for warm-up, they were already defeated. We spent four years only losing one home game. And it's because we had home field advantage. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not telling you as a church that we need to go stand out on Lumsden today and only turn it into a one lane and start shaking cars and beating cars. That's, that's not going to get us anywhere at all, will it? We'll probably get run over, let's be honest. Most people probably aren't even paying attention. They're looking at their phone, somebody gets hit, and they think it's a speed hump, and they keep going. But what I want us to realize today is this, man. When we read Hebrews chapter 11 and we read the Bible, some of you guys are, are doing a year-long reading through the Bible. Some of you guys are doing a chronological reading of the Bible. When you read the stories of the people in the Bible, I want you to understand that what you're reading, you're reading through the lens of victory that is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. You are reading the stories of men and women of faith who have set the course and run the race before us. And because of their faith and because of what God has done by his grace, through his providential plan, we are the home team. And spoiler alert, when you get to the end of the Bible, you realize that we win. What more could we ask for? So I want to tell you this morning from just the first part of this verse, man, stay focused on the arena to which you belong. As a Christian today, man, you are believers in Jesus Christ. You are believers that he is Savior and he is Lord and there is victory to be found there because in saying so and believing so, we now belong to Christ. We are a part of this hall of heroes and in faith, we have victory. Again, as Christians, the advantage is ours in this fight. Secondly, I want you to see this. When asked where should we focus, not only should we focus on the arena, but in the second half of verse one, I want us to realize that we are also to be called to focus on the race. You see here, the author of Hebrews brings us back to a very common analogy used throughout the New Testament, which is that of a runner preparing and preparing for a race of some sort or some sort of sport, if you would. So if you go back and look at the text in the second half of verse one, it says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. You see, the weight that's being talked about is actually referencing any burden or any sin, if you will, that would hinder us in the call to grow in righteousness. And so literally what you see here is a saying from the author that says, hey, listen, any sin that you have in your life, that sin should and needs to be removed. Any worldly care, any riches, any honor, anything that would cause us to focus on the world should now be put aside as it is a hindrance to the work and service of our God. And now pay attention to the analogy we get. We get this image of training, the training of an athlete that we often see and hear about during the early days of the Greek games. You see, a runner would train and run in full clothes until the day of the race when that runner would then strip practically naked in order to run and win. So let's think about this analogy for a moment, okay? Because the author of Hebrews here is telling us that we should model our life after the training of this runner as well. Now again, don't mishear me. 
I'm not saying strip your clothes off and run naked wildly through the church. That's not what I'm saying. But rather, as we prepare for the race that is life, as we prepare for the race that God now has us on, we need to examine our own lives. We need to remove any hindrance that would slow us down in order to run the race well that God has fixed us on. Now, again, let me just unpack this for a moment. You see, people ask, well, what are some hindrances? I don't know what they are for you. But I can tell you this. Hindrances can be anything from personal ambitions. Hindrances can be hobbies. They can, hindrances can even be friendships. They can be habits or anything that would distract us or pull us away from God. And that includes our own personal sin. In fact, the author goes on to say in the text, and sin which clings so closely. You see, the author here is now telling us that sin will entangle our feet. Sin, if we are not careful, will cause us to trip to the ground if we are not seeking to remove it. You know, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, many people have sat in my office for counseling sessions and conversations And several of those conversations have turned to why people are struggling with their own growth in Christ. And I just want to challenge you, if I could, for a moment, and I challenge myself with this as well, anytime I do some own self-examination. The question is often asked, why am I not growing in Christ? I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's not because of the church. You may ask, why am I not growing in Christ? It's not because of the lack of preached word in our church or the lack of discipleship in our church. Why am I not growing in Christ? The answer is you. The answer is me. We are not growing in Christ. You see, I think a better question that we need to ask ourselves is this. What is keeping us from running the race effectively that God has called us to? What trivial thing or what mundane thing that we deem important but when we take a step back and really look at it in the grand theme grand scheme of things it's really not all that important what mundane thing is now distracting us from god maybe a better question to ask this morning is this what conversation what what divisive talk whether it's with others or in our own hearts is separating us from the body of Christ. You see, as a church, we need to strip ourselves of things that are trivial. As a church, we need to rid ourselves of the items that in our lives that really don't matter. And what we need to do is this. We need to seek the word of God. We need to do what the word of God has said. We need to do that which is true, good, right, and beautiful according to the word. So as we focus on the race, are we as a church now seeking to glorify God in every aspect of our gatherings? And if that's not the ultimate goal, then we have to now ask ourselves, okay, well then what is hindering us? What is tripping us up? And when God answers that question, let's remove it. 
and then let's run. Notice the text continues from there. It says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Again, here the author breaks down the race for us here, okay? So I'm gonna break it down for us really simply. Our track is to our track to run is the world itself. Our prize for finishing is the heavenly kingdom of God to which we belong, and our mark to focus on is Jesus Christ. Now we're gonna get more on that in a moment here. But I want you to notice the beauty of verse one. Notice the phrase that this race was set before us. Man, if you're one of those folks that highlights and underlines in your Bible, maybe you have a Bible journal, I would underline that, highlight it, write something. That's a powerful phrase. Because you see, to understand that this race was set before us is to understand that it was set before us by the providential hand of God. So if we unpack all of verse one together and we begin to put all this together in verse one, we can understand this. We already have victory. And now by the grace of God, we now have home field advantage. We have now been told how to train, which is to remove sin which clings or to remove all that hinders. And we are now told to endure for this is a marathon, not a sprint. And now we get told that God is the one who is the mark and he is the one who is the path setter. Christian, I want to tell you this morning, this should bring you joy. Why? Because we can't lose as long as our focus is fixed on Jesus Christ. You see, if we begin to focus on the arena, seeing the examples that have been set before us, if we focus on the race that we have been called to run providentially by our sovereign God, and we recognize that the mark, the finish itself is Christ Jesus, who is our victor, then the reality is in the midst of divisive talk, in the, in the midst of doubt, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of frustration, in the midst of feelings of defeat, How can we now lose? You see, as we're going to see in the next two verses, hope is not lost as long as we hit our final focus. And our final focus in verse 2 and 3 is this. We need to focus on Jesus. You see, I've been saying this for several weeks, said it through Advent, said it before we got into Advent when we were in Philippians. Oh, by the way, you guys who have been emailing me, telling me, hey, pastor, you haven't finished Philippians 4. You need to go back and finish that. Don't worry, I got it. It's coming in a couple weeks. Be patient, okay? It's coming. But notice what we get here in verse 2 and 3. Notice the phrase, looking to Jesus. You see, here we're told that no circumstance, no temptation, no difficulty will ever be too much if our focus is on Jesus Christ. You see, here's the secret to a healthy Christian life filled with joy and encouragement. Again, I'm about to ruin a lot of good Christian books this morning. If you want to know what it's like to have a healthy Christian life that is filled with joy and filled with encouragement, then then know this. Don't place your eyes on this world with its enticements and its hindrances. Don't place your eyes upon our petty selves with our, our small victories of pride or even our sins. 
but rather fix your eyes on Jesus Christ who is the source of all that is good and all that is pleasing. Again, I've been reading a lot of John Owen, so be patient with me. He says this, a constant view of the glory of Christ will revive our souls and cause our spiritual lives to flourish and thrive. The more we behold the glory of Christ by faith now, the more spiritual and the more heavenly will be the state of our souls. In other words, nothing can rob us of our joy if Jesus is our focus. Man, again, you don't believe me. Go back and look at Philippians. Look at Paul's story. Look at how he wrote in the midst of being shackled to another man in house arrest, awaiting death. And even in those moments, he was never robbed of his joy. Coming back to our text in Hebrews chapter 12, we read the next phrases of Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now notice that Jesus here was the pioneer of faith and was the perfect example of faith. Okay, so let me unpack this for a moment. You see the cloud of witnesses that we have now faithfully followed, or excuse me, the cloud of witnesses that we now have faithfully followed the example of Jesus Christ, who was first and perfect in showing us how to walk in faith. And so now as those who are called by him, we are now called to follow his example as well in faithful obedience. I mean, when you look to Jesus' life, do you realize that Jesus' faith was never tested more than in his full obedience to follow God even to the point of death? In fact, notice what the text tells us next in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he endured both suffering and shame. But yet the key to this passage is that Jesus did so willingly and faithfully in full obedience to God. You see, Jesus' obedience to the cross provides the example that we need to see and know that we too are called to bear the cross in our own lives as well. In fact, if you go on to read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says, For to you, or for to this you, have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. And I want to tell you this morning, I don't know where you're at or what you're going through, but I want to assure you of one thing. No one ever said that life would ever be easy. There will continue to be suffering as long as we continue to live in a sin-sick world. Now, if I could for a moment, let me bring this a little closer to home as a local church. No one ever said that being a part of a faith family would always be easy. No one ever said to us that there was no cost to serving. Again, let me go further. If you were here this morning and you were looking for an easy place to serve, then I want to assure you, you were never going to find it. That sounded hopeful, didn't it? Steve's laughing at me. You know, Steve and I have had this conversation several times before. It doesn't exist. Many of us know this, man. Serving requires sacrifice. But I want you to think about this for a moment. 
If Jesus Christ willingly went to the cross in obedience to God for the glory of God, then here's the question we have to ask ourselves. How far are we willing to go? And how far are we willing to serve in obedience to God for the glory of God? Now again, come back to the text for a minute. And don't miss what's said about Jesus. There's a phrase in the middle of what we just read that says, who for the joy. Now again, I would underline this phrase because what we see here from the author of Hebrews is that Jesus took joy in doing the will of God the Father. Jesus rejoiced, as many scholars have said, because he saw the crown beyond the cross. Jesus saw what was purchased by his blood. He saw his bride, which is the church, forever regenerated through his broken body and blood. And then here comes the beautiful truth for us this morning. Notice what's said next in Hebrews 12. It says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You see, Jesus endured the sins of people like us, but he did so in faithful obedience to the glory of God. And yet it's in this moment that he became the ultimate example set before us. And the beauty of it is, it is Jesus who waits on us at the finish line. Man, again, if I could quote another scholar here, it'd be Thomas Watson who said this, as the Spirit is at work in the heart, so is Christ at work in heaven. Christ is ever praying that the saint's grace may hold out. Did you hear that? Again, this is Thomas Watson. This is not me. I'm not taking credit for his words. Listen to what he says again. Christ is ever praying that the saint's grace may hold out. Why is this so important? Because, man, if you look back at Luke chapter 22, verse 32, notice what Jesus prays. He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Man, you see, as Christians, it's easy for us to grow weary. It's easy for us to grow faint-hearted because of the, the heartache we experience both from the world and also the heartache that we can experience from within the faith family themselves. It is easy for us to become downcast in our souls looking for hope that we think is not there, but there is a cure. We see it in these, verse, these first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12. And it's the simple phrase, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus in his own struggle with opposition in the world. Consider Jesus and what he endured on our behalf. You see, God ordained the suffering even for Christ. And just as Christ saw the crown at the cross, we too need to remember that there is a crown waiting for us beyond the cross in the kingdom of God as well. And I want to go ahead and tell you something. That crown does not belong to us. That crown belongs at the feet of Jesus who paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. So as a church, are we focused on Jesus this year? Because the reality is we may not agree on anything, 
But as Christians, one thing we can agree on is that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, and Jesus Christ has given us his word, and by his grace, he has saved wretched sinners like you and like me, and one day, he is coming back, and he will be victorious. So do we see the hope and the promise that is to come? Are we, are we too focused looking around and missing what it is that God has done and what it is that God is doing? You see, the truth this morning is our focus in worship really needs to be vertical, not horizontal at all. So as Christians, let's stop looking around in worry and let's start looking heavenward to Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, in Christ, we have been called and given an incredible hope. As Christians, as those, remember we talked about this a week ago, as those who have been called and chosen by God, my prayer is that we would remain focused on him. As his church, let's focus on the arena, realizing that this race has been run before. There have been examples that have come before us in faith. Let's focus on our own race that God, through his word, has prepared us for in this very moment. And let's focus on Jesus, who has set the example. Jesus, who awaits us in the end. Man, again, Christian, I want to encourage you. Victory is in our grasp. But the race is not over. We still have work to do. We have work to do at our church. We have decisions that need to be made. We have conversations and prayers that must be shared. And no matter what happens in 2022, because I don't have a clue, let's continue to look to Jesus Christ and let's continue to keep him as our focus for this new year. Let's pray together.